Um, We're starting a new series on identity this week. The the title of my message is called From Regret to Gratitude. And so um, before we get into that, um, um, Adam was walking around the Garden of Eden, uh, very lonely. So God asked him, what's wrong with you? Adam said, "I I don't have anyone to talk to. God said that he was going to make Adam a companion and that it would be a woman. He said, this person will gather food for you, cook for you, and when you discover clothes, she'll wash it for you. She will always agree with every decision you make. She will bury your children and never ask you to get up in the middle of the night to take care of them. She will not nag you and always be the first to admit she's wrong when you've had a disagreement. She will never have a headache and freely give you love and passion whenever you need it. So Adam asked God, what will a woman like this cost? God replied, an arm and a leg. Adam replied, what can I get for a rib? And the rest is history. <laughs> By the way, speaking of the woman, the wives, uh, my wife Emily is going to uh, preach next weekend, so you guys look forward to having her up here. She's uh, actually a very gifted and amazing speaker, so look forward to that. Um, awesome. All right, so uh, turn, your, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Um, we'll get there in a few minutes. But again, I mentioned we're, we're beginning a new series on identity this Sunday and our identity in Christ. I find it interesting that when, we, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, obviously there's some like, things you need to know, like you died for you, you receive him in your heart, you give your life to him. There's some things you need to know up front to receive Jesus, but then it's like when you become a Christian, that truth, that thing that happened to you when you receive Jesus, you kind of like unpack that the rest of your life. Like there's layer upon layer upon layer of revelation that happens. And so we want to kind of dive in in this series to um, finding out what happened to us, what our, our new identity in Christ is. And um, the way we view God and the way we view ourselves um, actually dictates all of our thoughts and our, and our, our thinking patterns. Um, A.W. Tozer said this, he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So it's of utmost importance that we know who we are and we know who God is. Um, I'll give you an example of this. If you, say you got hired in a new job and you, um, you know who the, what the company is, what the purpose of the company is, their goal, um, you know the CEO, their role, and, and what, what they do. But let's say that you get hired but you don't understand, like they didn't tell you what you were supposed to do in that company, right? If you didn't know your role within that company, you wouldn't know how to interact with the CEO or the other employees. And so it's, it's super huge and important that we, we understand, we know who God is, we also know our role in this world and who God has made us to be so we know how to interact with our Father, right? And so we're gonna, we're gonna be going after this um, in this series. What is, what is God like and um, the, the nature and character of God. We're going to kind of cover the nature and character of God in this series. So why are we talking about nature and character of God in a series on identity? Well, we need to know how he is so we know how to interact with him, right? And so we'll be going after this, help answer some of those questions, and of course, who we are. But I'll I'll kind of make a bold statement here that we'll circle around back to um, in a couple weeks. But I think that every time you make a mistake, every time we sin, that sin is actually rooted in a lie, it's actually rooted in a misunderstanding of who God is or who we are. And we'll get, we'll get back to that in a couple of weeks. I'm going to let that just kind of, you either believe a lie about God, a lie about yourself, or a lie about a situation, and that's, that's why you sinned. That's why you messed up. That's why you made a mistake. And so I'm going to let that marinate for a couple of weeks. We'll get back to that. 
and um, get into it. So again, the title of my message today, it's called From Regret to Gratitude. Um, Regret has to be one of the worst feelings, one of the worst emotions, Um, just this feeling of loss or missed opportunity. Um, I don't know about you, but from time to time, I struggle with I struggle with regret. Um, for me, I think regret, the, the, the biggest thing I, I hate about regret is I hate wasted time. Like, wasted time really bothers me. Uh, missed opportunities really bother me. Have you guys ever seen the movie The Notebook? Now, I hate The Notebook. <laughs> and not because it's a chick flick, actually. I have other reasons to hate it. Um, in the movie, they're like, they're obviously supposed to be together. Like, that's like the premise of the movie. They're supposed to be together. But then there's all this drama that happens, and he's writing her letters for like seven years, and the mom's hiding them. And it's like, oh, they're just supposed to be together. It's a waste of time. I, I hate waste of time. And that, actually, we saw that movie, because I'm a good husband. I, I do watch chick flicks when I have to. Um, it's part of being a husband. But it actually bothered me for a few days. I, I can't stand wasted time. There has been seasons of my life where it's like, bummer. I wasted like a season of my life. You know, re- regret bothers me. But um, I think God wants to move us from regret into gratitude. Um, it's, it's okay to regret a bad decision that you make, obviously, long enough to make a course correction. I'm sorry. Whoop, wrong way. Um, it's okay to make re- regret a bad decision, but only long enough to make that course change. It's not okay to live there, right? It's not okay to live in regret all the time. It's okay to regret something that happened to you, but it's not okay to live in perpetual regret about that thing and anguish over that thing and, and become a victim or, or be in unforgiveness for the rest of your lives, right? We got to move beyond that. And so let me throw you, let me, uh, throw you a few hypotheticals. This is, this is kind of for all of us. Um, something you did... If only, I hadn't, if only I hadn't broken that law. If only I hadn't become addicted to those pills. If only I made better choices, my spouse wouldn't have divorced me. If only I hadn't decided to get drunk that night. If only I hadn't stolen that money. Like, what is the, what is the one thing that you did that just from time to time nags you? It comes up and says, like, oh, I just wish that was one choice. If I could undo one thing, that would be the thing that I would undo. Uh, or how about this? What is something, so that's something you did, or the something that was done to you. If only my parents hadn't been divorced, what would my life look like? If only my boss had believed my side of the story, then I wouldn't have gotten fired. If only I hadn't been abused physically, emotionally, sexually. If only I hadn't been introduced to alcohol at such a young age. If only I hadn't been introduced to pornography at such a young age. Like, what is the one thing that that you were kind of a victim of that happened to you that wish, wish hadn't happened. Okay, so I, I bet you're thinking of it right now. Or here's one for all of us. Some people, I think some Christians have this mentality, have this thought. <laughs> what if only Adam and Eve hadn't sinned? If only they hadn't messed up in the garden, like none of this would happen. We'd still be living in this perfect garden, right? If only Adam and Eve hadn't, hadn't messed up. We're gonna, we're gonna circle around back to that. Last weekend on Easter, I'd kind of... We, we, I mentioned that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross needed to be a sufficient sacrifice to satisfy the, the wrath that stood against us, right? Jesus' death on the cross says our sins were placed on him, right? But what his resurrection says is that God accepted that sacrifice and we were raised with him, right? In other words, Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection, right? That's what I was talking about last week. When he, when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were raised. His resurrection is your resurrection. The fact that we were raised with him declares, or the fact that he, he rose declares that we have been raised with him. 
So the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, it was enough to pay the penalty for sin, your sin, my sin, the sins of the world. And I made this statement last week that I want to talk about today. The blood of Jesus was not just enough. It was actually more than enough to cover us, to wash our sins. In other words, what Jesus did on the cross, what he accomplished for us, it was actually an overpayment for the, the judgment that stood against us. Did you know that? And this has all kinds of cool implications. So um, exactly how much more was it than enough? And what does this mean to us? So we're going to go there. Did you guys find Romans 5 yet? You there? Okay, Romans 5. <clears throat> we're going to go ahead and start in um, verse 6 here. Now, there's this phrase um, that I want you guys to... I'm going to grab a bottle of water here. There's this phrase that I want you guys to kind of be on the lookout for in this chapter, and the phrase is how much more, okay? So in Romans 5, it says how much more five times, okay? That's convenient, I think. So, um, and it's comparing the trespass of Adam to what Jesus did on Calvary for us. Okay, so Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, it says this. We read this verse last week, actually. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I just want to pause right there. Notice it says, when we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Like after you've received Jesus, I just want you to know you're not powerless anymore. Amen? You just need to know that you're not powerless anymore once you receive Jesus. Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, since we now have been justified by his blood, How much more, see that phrase, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Verse 10, for if if while we were God's enemies, God reconciled us to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved through his life? All right, jump down to verse 15. It says this, but the gift is not like the trespass, for if... The many died by the trespass of one man. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of the one man, Christ Jesus, overflow to the many? Verse 16, nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more... Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ, Jesus Christ? Okay, last one, verse 20. Jump down to verse 20. The law was brought in so that trespass might increase. We're not going to go there today. We'll talk about that later. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that's the, the fifth more there. Grace increased all the more so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life Christ Jesus our Lord. So in this chapter, uh, Romans 5, he says, how much more, how much more, comparing what Adam had done to what Jesus had done for us, how much more, five times in this. It was, he's emphasizing, this is not just a payment for your sin, this is an overpayment for your sin. He didn't just sneak you in the, he's not just going to sneak us in the back door of heaven, right? He's actually, he's actually granting us full rights as son and daughters in his kingdom. It's good stuff. So Matthew Henry is a a Bible commentary. I I was reading some commentary on this just to kind of get my brain around it. This is what Matthew uh, Henry says. This was written like the early 1700s. Um, The scholar wrote this. The stream of grace and righteousness is deeper and broader than the stream of guilt. For this righteousness does not only take away the guilt of the one offense, but 
but of many other offenses, even all. Check this out. For um, we are by Christ and his righteousness entitled to and instated in more and greater privileges than we lost by the offense of Adam. The plaster is wider than the wound and more healing than the wound is killing. That is super powerful, you guys. Like a lot of people live like, oh, this world, it's hard. If only Adam hadn't sinned, we could, we could still be back in the garden and everything would be great. But what this is saying is like the death, burial, and Jesus on the cross, it wasn't just enough to get you in. It was more than enough to get you in. And when you, you are better off, not just better off, much better off, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, having received that as a Christian, than you would have been had Adam never sinned in the first place. That's good news right there. And so what, is this, what does this look like? The solution, is much, the solution is much greater than the problem. Um, I have a video to illustrate the more than enough. What is, what is the more than enough um, gospel? So go ahead and, go ahead and roll that, that video if you would. Pretty good picture of what grace is like in our lives. We have this, we have this offense. It's like I just need a little. I got to get right with God, and I just need a little grace. And God sends His only Son, His only begotten Son, Jesus, into this world, the perfect, spotless love of God, to pay the penalty for your sin, my sin, and the sin of the world. That's what the gift is like compared to the trespass. Okay. It's, in fact, I will say this: it's actually beyond comparison. Um, Let's look at, again at verse 15 and 16, Romans uh, 5, 15. It actually it says this, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Okay, so let me give you an example of this. He says the gift actually is even not like the trespass. Um, I'll give you an example. If you owe me $100 and you don't have $100, but let's just say Evan... Evan gives you $100 for you. Like, he gives $100 to me for you, okay? You owe me $100, he gives $100 to me to cover you, right? In that case, the gift is actually just like the trespass. It, like, it just, it's dollar for dollar. It matches. It directly, that gift would directly correspond to the debt that was owed, right? But it's not like this. But if Evan, if you owe me $100 and Evan gives me a million dollars, then that is an abundant gift 
and, and, it's, and it far exceeds what was owed, right? And so, and in that case, that extravagant gift, I would never dare ask for more. He would be highly favored. You would be highly favored, right? I would feel very blessed like that. That was not only settled, that was like oversettled. But I will say that the gift that God offers us even goes, even goes beyond this. Let's jump down to verse 16, Romans 5, 16. It says, so that's a comparison. It says, it's not like the trespass, but verse 16, nor can the gift of God be compared to the result of one man's sin. Okay, so the, the difference between $100 and a $1 million, like that's a huge, that's a huge difference, right? That's a big, how many know that's a big difference? Okay, good. It's a good place for an amen. I don't know. That's a big difference, but it's still, it's still a comparison. You can still, um, you can still compare $100 to $1 million. A $1 million is however many times more than $100. So I'm actually, I read this and I'm like, how can I explain this? I need to understand myself. How can I explain, how can we understand this as a people, what Jesus offered to us? How can, I, how can we understand what this is talking about? So I'm trying to think of a way to explain this. I, I, I go over my sermons a lot with, with Emily, kind of like, what are you thinking? Tell her what I'm thinking. And I said, I said to her, I was talking about this point, how do you compare something to something that can't be compared to, right? And so we're kind of thinking through it and talking through it. She's like, well, what about like, you know, a swimming pool versus the ocean, you know, the difference between Adam's offense and what Jesus did for us? What if it's like a swimming pool versus the ocean? I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that's a huge difference. The ocean is many, many, many more times than a swimming pool, but that's still a comparison, right? It's however many times more the ocean is than a swimming pool. So and I'm, then I'm kind of racking my brain. What, what, can I, what can I say? What can we do to explain this? Because I'm not finding language to be able to explain this to people. So the question I asked myself was, what is this gift? What did Jesus provide? What is it like? What is it like? And then it hit me, it's not like anything. It's like nothing ever seen or heard. It is, it is completely new. It is completely unprecedented. It's a brand new thing. Amen? Does that sound familiar? A brand new thing that God did for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. If you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, um, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a new creation, him, a brand new creation that the world has never seen or heard before, okay? Um, that's good news right there. Um, the, the, now, the, the Greek word for new here, is, I think it's kanois. I think we might have that, actually. Yeah, there it is right there. It says, new in quality or innovation, fresh in development or opportunity, because not found exactly like this before. So what, what Jesus did for us, what Jesus provided for us, when you receive Jesus, it's not, it's not a refurbished version of what Adam was, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a brand new thing in Christ Jesus. The new creation uh, reality found in Jesus had not existed prior to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. First uh, Corinthians 6.17, it says, whoever is united with the Lord is one in spirit with him, Okay. So when you receive Jesus, it actually says we become one in spirit with him. An example of this would be if you had a, a water bottle and it's half full, and we'll just say this is, this is your spirit, and you invite Jesus in. It's like God pours himself into us and the, and the water becomes full. You would never be able to separate these molecules again. They, once they're mixed and mingled like that, that's kind of the picture. There's this, when God comes in and he joins our, the, the 
mystical union that God joining himself to us is such a thorough work that it literally it doesn't talk about there being two spirits in us. It's like it's the spirit of God, but it's our spirit mixed with his. That's the, that um, intimacy and that union that happens when a person places their faith and trust in Jesus. This had never existed in the Bible previous to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the Holy Spirit um, occupying people's hearts. In the, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would come upon come upon people, empower them, right? Anoint them for certain tasks. But the Holy Spirit, it would, it would rest upon them, but it would always lift. Like the Holy Spirit never remained and indwelt people's hearts forever. Did you guys know this? And so, um, and even if you go all the way back to Adam and Eve who were sinless, they were sinless, they walked in a sinless world that was, I'm sure that was awesome and amazing. But technically, they weren't, they didn't have this new creation experience that we're talking about when you received Jesus. Even Adam and Eve didn't technically have that. That's amazing. So we're not an old, we're not a, you're not a refurbished version of who you should have been. You're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus, and it's amazing. So everyone say, I'm amazing. amazing. You are. If you got Jesus in you, you're amazing. The closest thing I think I can compare it to is the Bible talks about a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There's this union that happens with us. There's this intimacy that happens with us and the Lord. Okay, so you guys got all that? Good. It's amazing. Brand new creation. Can't be compared to the old because it's brand new. Let's circle back around and talk about from regret to gratitude. I want to give you three reasons that God's abundant gift should produce gratitude in your life. God's overpayment should produce gratitude and relieve regret in your life. Okay? Because regret is, gratitude is basically the opposite of regret in this case. Okay? So reason number one. The overpayment should abolish your guilty conscience, okay? Understand that God didn't just pay for you. He overpaid for you. He's not just sneaking you in the back door of heaven. You're in the body of Christ. You're not the toe jam under the toenail. Like, you're, you're full sons and daughters, full privileges and rights as sons and daughters. Amen? Okay? One of the biggest misconceptions that people have about God is that they think, like, we kind of should walk around feeling guilty all the time. Like, you know, I'm always kind of sorry. Listen, the book of Hebrews goes actually, and maybe we'll talk about this someday, the book of Hebrews goes into great detail about how when the worship, worshipers approach God, he, he wants us to not have a guilty conscience. Like the blood of Jesus, not only enough for God, it needs to be enough for us to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Like God wants you to not have guilt so that you can serve him freely. Because guilt slows you down. Shame slows you down. God wants you to run with him. In fact, Shame actually entitles you to stay in sin. We, we think, like, it's okay to feel a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt. But actually, the reason why that's not okay is because it entitles you, shame entitles you to stay in the sin. This is here, why. Here's why. Shame devalues you. And what do you do with things that are of little value? Right? Because shame says, oh, I'm no good. Um, I'm a mess. It devalues you. Guilt, shame devalues you. But what do we do with things of little value? We don't treat them very well, do we? But if you know your value, if you know who God is, who he's made you to be, you know that he's taken that, that barrier away, sin away, so that we could walk with him, love him, and know him, um, we're going to walk better because of that. Amen? Amen? And so shame devalues you, and, um, and we would treat ourselves badly. An example of this would be like, anyone ever grew up on a farm with some farm people? I did not grow up on a farm, but, <laughs> but you know, like usually there's that farm truck, right? 
And the farm truck, that it's just like a, usually a beater. It's like, it's always out there in the mud and the cold and the snow and you throw things in it. Like you don't, it's just a working truck. You don't treat it that great, right? So there's a farm truck versus the Lamborghini, right? The Lamborghini, you, you don't bring that out anytime. You like, you keep it in the garage until it's a perfect day. You don't take it out in the winter. You check the weather, make sure it's not gonna hail that day, that kind of stuff, right? You treat, because their, their value is totally different, you treat them totally different. You have a high value. God didn't pay for trash, he paid to redeem you, amen? And so, it is true that God paid to redeem us to our created value, and then some, amen? There's your created value, and then he did a little more. So, Number two, overpayment should abolish, or number one, overpayment should abolish a guilty conscience. Number two, the overpayment brought us closer to God than ever before. I already made the case for this, but the overpayment didn't just get us close to God, it got us to be one with God. Like, you need, and you need to remember that. Like, when you feel, I know that there's times in our lives where we feel distant from God, like, I feel like you're far away, God. Yeah, I understand that. But the, the reality is, he's, he couldn't be closer. He, can, he can't be closer. And like if we'd realize that, we, there would be a lot of comfort and consolation in that. Amen? So he couldn't be closer. Number three, the overpayment released grace into our hearts. Listen, grace isn't just God's ability to um, cover up and forgive your sins. It is unmerited favor, yes, that is grace. And it is his ability to um, forgive us of our sins. But grace... Um, if you look at the, the, the definition of grace, it goes even deeper than that. Grace is God's divine influence upon your heart. Okay? The definition is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life, including, including gratitude. So the release of grace in your life, it not only covers, covers you unmerited favor, but it actually influences your heart in a way where it changes you and it produces gratitude inside of you. Amen. So um, you cannot live in shame and regret and if you have gratitude flowing from your heart, okay? But I will give, I'll give you the key before we, before we get out of here. The key is this. You actually have to receive this grace. And we'll, we'll look at one more verse here, Romans 5, 17. The word I want you to look at here is, and, and just kind of focus on is the word receive. It says, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus? This word receive, it's an active present tense. It's, it's not what just happened to you when you got saved. Like when you got saved, yes, you received grace, obviously. But this is an ongoing, there's an ongoing receiving of grace that needs to happen. Have, uh, needs to happen. Uh, go ahead and put up, I think we have the, yeah, the Greek word there. Um, lambano, I don't know. Lambano, something like that. This is the Greek word for receive. It says to lay hold of by aggressively and actively accepting what is available and offered. To accept wish uh, with initiative and it emphasizes the volition or the assertiveness of the receiver. And so there's, so it's, like I said, it's not just talking about when you got saved, when you received Jesus. Um, it's talking about the present. So yes, we, we received grace when we got saved. But this actually says that we need to continually receive this grace as we walk through life. We need to continually lay hold, aggressively and actively lay hold of this grace that God offers us. Okay, why now, if you want to reign in life, you need to do that. Because the end of that verse says, um, those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man Christ Jesus. So you want to reign in life, you have to receive grace 
every single day from God. Why? Why do we have to receive it every day? It wasn't enough, you know, on Calvary. Well, here's why. Because life throws curveballs. And you guys know this. You know that life throws you curveballs. You know that life has bumps, right? So especially, listen, especially when the devil reminds you of your past or your, or your whatever, reminds you of what you did, that thing that nags you of your past. That's especially when we need to lay hold of that grace that, that produces that gratitude because um, the gratitude I'm talking about is, is acknowledging what Jesus did for us, what Jesus accomplished for us, um, especially when we mess up in the present, especially when God, uh, the devil reminds us of our past, especially when we mess up in the present. When you stumble along the way in the present, that's when you need to lay hold of grace in that actively and aggressively lay hold of grace in that moment. If you, here now, here, this is what most people do. This is what Adam and Eve did when they sinned. They got shame, right? And then they hid. When you stumble along the way, that is not what we're supposed to do. Okay, I have a 30-day waiting program to, before I can feel good about God again and uh, have a relationship with him. Listen, if you stumble along the way, just say, God, thank you. That wasn't who you made me to be. Get that off of me, Lord. I thank you. I'm a son and daughter. And move forward. Receive that grace that he has for you in that moment. Amen? Um, or how about this one? When people sin against us, that's when we especially need to lay hold of that grace. Remember, I mentioned this at the beginning of the message. What is the one thing that you've done that you wish you could undo? I want to say realize that the payment that Jesus made for you was greater than the offense. The payment was greater than the offense. It's, in fact, I mentioned this, it's beyond comprehension. The payment is so much greater than the offense. It's beyond comprehension. Or remember I said, what's the one thing that was done to you that you wish you could undo? And again, I want to say, actively lay hold of the grace that's available to you every day. Holy Spirit lives in your heart. There's, you can actively lay hold of the grace that God has for you every single day to, um, to go after these things. I, this is the thing. I promise that it won't be hard for you to forgive someone if you have gratitude in your heart, right? Because unforgiveness, it has to do with, they hurt me, they did this to me. It doesn't make it right, but it does, if you have a sense of entitlement, right? If you have a sense of entitlement, it's hard to forgive people. But if you have gratitude in your heart for what God has done for you, then it's easy. God, God's forgiven me of so much. How could I hold this against them? Amen? So you gotta just um, realize the, 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 the payment was greater than the sin, the sacrifice was greater than the wound, and we have to lay hold of that grace daily. All right? So um, I'll give you three things real quick again. The overpayment should abolish a guilty conscience. Number two, the, the overpayment brought us closer to God than ever before. And number three, the overpayment released grace into our hearts. And grace produces gratitude and crushes guilt, crushes regret. Okay? Amen? I just want to give that to you guys. Let me pray over you, okay? So Father, I thank you. For every individual in this room, God, I thank you that you love us so much. God, these people are amazing in your eyes. Jesus, I thank you that you came to this world not just to reconcile us, God, back to our creative value. God, you came and you actually did one better than that, or however many better than that, Lord God. You've given us full access as sons and daughters to walk with you, to love you, to be with you, Lord God. I pray, God, in this series, as we dive into these, um, these things on our identity, Lord God, that you, Lord would reveal to us our true nature, God. You would reveal to us what you did on Calvary, what you did, God, when we received you, Lord God. And I just pray that that guilt and the shame, the things that we did, the things that were done to us, Lord God, would be crushed, Lord God, by grace. It would be crushed, Lord God, 
um, by grace, Lord, that gratitude would rise up in our hearts, Lord God. We would see who you've created us to be. And I release that over every person in this room, God. Help us in this series to have a transformed mind to, to understand what you've done in our hearts as new creations in Christ Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, God bless you guys.